Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. I'm Shane Holland. And I'm Andrew Wheeler. On this episode, we are counting down our favorite Bond women. Spies, assassins, scientists, smugglers, psychics, and seashell collectors. Wow, what a sentence to write for (laughs) someone with a sibilant S. We've picked out the best of the best from the 24 official Bond movies. But before we get to that, Andrew, have you been up to anything very Bondy this week? Apart from sabotaging you by writing all those sibilant S's into the (laughs) Sabotage! (laughs) Uh, You know, the... the, uh... The bondiest thing I have done this week is, well, I received a, a, a vegetable delivery box. Is that Bondy? I don't think he's ever done that. But, <laughs> but he might do. You know, he lives in London. I know they do vegetable delivery boxes there. Um, oh, and uh, and I got plantains in my vegetable delivery box this time around. And I've not cooked with plantains much. So I thought, well, I need to find something to do. And since Bond spends a lot of time in the Caribbean and since plantains are from that part of the world, I thought... This is a bondy thing to uh, to prepare a classic Caribbean dish of tostones, which is very simply twice fried plantains. So you oh. you cut your plantains up uh, into like one inch uh, chunks. You fry them until they're like slightly goldeny, like in a in in a nice amount of fat or oil. Um, and then when they when they're just golden, you take them out, you smash them, and you put them back in the oil so that they crisp up beautifully and oh then my God. and then you fish them out of the oil and you you sprinkle them with salt and it's a lovely sort of savory um banana-y snack uh that is very delicious I, I need to try and do it again with the there's a garlic sauce that you're supposed to make with it so i need to try and make that uh do it again um Ooh, oh salty sweet banana and garlic i mean that sounds like heaven yeah <laughs> it's probably something that james bond has never eaten in his life but i'm sure honey rider has had it a few times that sounds absolutely <laughs> delicious. <laughs> so uh, what about you? Have you been up to anything Bondy this past week? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I'm continuing a theme here, talking about my family history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a few weeks back, I mentioned how uh, my nanny, uh, my mom's mom, uh, I I think I believed that she was in the Wrens at the time. Um, but I asked for some clarification clarification and it turns out that my nanny m was basically money penny uh, oh. <laughs> yeah she was a communications officer for the admiralty uh and i have included some pictures that i'm sharing with you now andrew and you can find on uh our insta and twitter at kkbb pod uh but you can see that my nanny actually does look like uh the uh timothy dalton era money penny she does uh, caroline bliss i think that was thank you yeah yeah so i absolutely love that uh and then i also included uh, the actual official secrets acts declaration <laughs> uh and i don't know if i'm allowed to share this uh we're both so, gonna be arrested now Thank absolutely you. uh but it's real um and yeah that's my nanny's uh handwriting on there i've blacked out some of it so that uh you know i haven't revealed too much to the world about <laughs> my family even though i mean my god now i've pretty much spilled the beans on my entire life you could dox me very simply now uh and i also included a picture of the actual the lads that she worked with uh who are playing darts and i'm just going to assume that at least four of them are double o's uh yes that seems like some of them look very young i mean their faces are obscured but 
that one in the back, both of the boys actually, either side of their commanding officer, I guess. Oh yeah, they look about twelve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and uh, I've seen the pictures, uh, like unadulterated, uh, and I would adulterate a few of these men. <laughs> Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is fascinating. So this is the, the grandmother on the opposite side of the family. We've now met both your your grandmothers. Is that the case? That is correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I have a, a wild family history from the armed forces to Black Hollywood. <laughs> uh, I love that she's a money penny, but her name is M. <laughs> oh, on, and we called her Nanny M. I never put it together. <laughs> you, you never had to report to M. <laughs> no, well, no, unfortunately, we lived very far. We lived a pond apart, unfortunately. Ah, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> For every episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we recommend a cocktail that matches the theme of the episode, or maybe just matches our mood. Uh, this week, it's Andrew's turn to pick. Andrew, what have you got for us? I am breaking all of the rules this week. Again? Uh, Again? <laughs> As we'll discuss in the episode, the author Roald Dahl, who wrote the screenplay to You Only Live Twice, had his own theory about the women in Bond movies. He categorized them as either violently pro-Bond or violently anti-Bond. So <laughs> in uh, in reference to that idea, I've mixed a drink that is violently anti-Bond. And in tribute to a memorable attack by an assassin in The Spy Who Loved Me, it is a variation on a sidecar. Ooh. So what makes it anti-Bond? Well, I'll list the number one ingredient. Uh, the number one ingredient is tea. And uh, <laughs> anyone who knows James Bond knows that he does not like tea. He considers it dirty water. So even though he is one of the great fictional uh, Britons, he was not a tea drinker. He, he liked coffee. Um, so <laughs> You are already on his hit list. Go exactly. On. He's going to hate this so much. It's <laughs> uh, it's smoky tea. So a Lapsang Souchong, for example, I used a, a, a tea called uh, Tea de Tiger. So, or tiger tea, but it's French. Um, <laughs> that is deliciously smoky. It's equal measures of that and lemon juice, plus uh, like a teaspoon of marmalade and a teaspoon of sweetener, so honey in this case, all shaken together with ice and poured into a glass. Um, you will notice what is missing from this cocktail. There's no alcohol. <gasps> it's not a cocktail. It's a mocktail i hate that word um <laughs> me too it's terrible but i absolutely love a mocktail pick uh yeah i thought it was time that you know we should share some drinks that people who don't drink might want to enjoy this is as i said it's a variation on a sidecar it's a sidecar mocktail so a sidecar is made with you know curacao it has a lovely orangey flavor to it um the the tea in this case takes the place of the liquor and what you get is this very sharp bright uh, and smoky drink that is wonderfully complex and has no alcohol in it at all. And yeah, I'm, I'm having a little alcohol break at the moment. So it seems like a good time to recommend uh, a mocktail or two in this segment. And this one I've been, you know, playing around with, I found online and sort of tweaking a little bit. I, I actually ended up doubling the amount of tea to lemon juice in my, in my cocktail, um, to find a blend. You always like. like it strong. Yes. Of yes, of course. <laughs> really a, a powerful cocktail, this one, if you can get drunk on tea. Um, so yes, Bond would hate it, but, uh, it's delicious and, uh, well worth trying. I love it. That's such a smart pick, Andrew. Uh, cheers to you. What a cheers. great, smart, healthy choice. <laughs> well, apart from all the sugar that's in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pish. <laughs> 
Are you and Nomi alike? Yeah, we're both driven and honest and want to change the world. So yeah, in that respect. I'm not yet a ninja, she is, but yes, hmm. we're Would alike. you make a good spy? According to my friends, I'm too um, clumsy to be a spy. That was Lashana Lynch in an interview for GQ, talking about the similarities between herself and her No Time to Die character, Nomi. We won't get to meet Nomi until, I hope, October. But she's joining a legacy of iconic characters stretching back through Vesper, Mayday, Electra, Xenia, Octopussy, Solitaire, Tracy, Pussy, and Honey. Oh, I love them all. <laughs> Bond movies have given us some of the most memorable female characters in cinema. These characters are filtered through the regressive politics of their eras uh, and the ever-present male gaze. But they still manage to resonate and inspire, in large part thanks to the performances of the women portraying them. Andrew and I have picked our favorite Bond women and combined our numbers to create a definitive countdown. We haven't seen each other's scores, so you're going to learn the results right along with us, just like our second episode, The Queerest Moments of uh, James Bond. And uh, and we also did the countdown of Bond songs. So That's right. It's going to be a really fun surprise. It's it's fun and usually contentious. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Let's hope our friendship can endure. Um, <laughs> we started with a list of 60 women from Dr. No to Spectre, and we considered every major female character in the franchise, except Judy Dench's M and most versions of Moneypenny. We also excluded any unnamed characters and also Margaret Thatcher, though she would have come last. Absolutely. Uh, we, 61 uh, out of 60. <laughs> we each picked our 30 favorite Bond women before combining the scores. So by my calculation, our final list is 38 names long. I already anticipate some fairly wild divergences in our lists. <laughs> before we start the countdown, we're going to see if any significant characters failed to make either of our lists. So uh, there's a big black block with a whole bunch of uh, of names in it. And I guess I'm going to just reveal all of those at once. Uh, do you have the document open in front of you, Shane? I'm looking at it right now. So all of the women <laughs> who neither of us scored. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Uh, we have some really uh, familiar names that we both agree on. Some major characters did not make this list, and for great reason. <laughs> uh, and let's get into some of them. Um, we'll start at the top of our list uh not the very top but i think the most major character uh kissy suzuki from you only live twice uh i don't know about you but i okay let's get into it i watched <laughs> what i consider like the subpar bond movies the past few weeks to get ready for this episode uh you know i'm very familiar with the ones i really like and with the ones that are better films uh but I had to go back into the catalog to refamiliarize myself with a lot of uh, these older ones and, you know, the a lot of the 70 ones that I skip over in my reviews. Uh, so Kissy Suzuki from You Only Live Twice is unfortunately just not a very important character in the movie. She has no agency. Uh, and actually, I would say this about another major character I see on this list, Solitaire. 
Oh, wow, we, neither of us rated Solitaire. That's crazy. <laughs> I guess, do you want to talk a bit about the Roald Dahl list? Because I'm seeing a lot of women on this list who kind of fall into that very first category. Roald Dahl, when he wrote the the movie You Only Live Twice, he expounded this, this theory about the three women that will appear in a Bond film. Girl number one is violently pro-Bond. She stays around roughly the first reel of the picture. Then she is bumped off by the enemy, preferably in Bond arms in bed or not in bed wherever the writer likes so long as it's in good taste girl number two is anti-bond she works for the enemy and stays around for the middle third of the picture she must capture bond and bond must save himself by bowling her over with sheer sexual magnetism this girl should also be bumped off preferably in an original fashion Girl number three is violently pro-bond. She occupies the final third of the picture, and she must on no account be killed, nor must she permit Bond to take any lecherous liberties with her until the very end of the story. We'll keep that for the fade out. So, oh boy. That is Dahl's theory. And I went through the list, and the movie he wrote does abide by that theory. The Spy uh-huh. Who Loved Me maybe sticks to that theory, except that the the main Bond girl is in the entire movie, not just in the third reel. No other Bond film actually completely matches the Dahl rules. Thank God, because it's like a <laughs> misogynistic mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Roald Dahl. He's a problematic figure. <laughs> to say the least, absolutely. Um, but I think there's some interesting points in there that speak to a lot of these characters. Yeah. A lot of the people who didn't make either of our lists uh, definitely fall into his one and two categories mm-hmm. um and the ones that are uh in his category three the violently uh pro-bond women who appear and survive to the final act uh those are the major outliers i see here uh, i'm talking about dr madeline swan mm-hmm. uh, i'm talking about kissy suzuki again and solitaire uh and uh, Mary Goodnight from The Man with the Golden Gun. These are all kind of supposed to be the major female characters in those movies. Yeah. Uh, and they're all forgettable, and uh, they don't really contribute to the story in a way that isn't Bond saving them. They're all basically damsels in distress. Yeah, in fact, of the three Bond women that Roald Dahl wrote, two of them do not make our, our top 38 list. So Kissy Suzuki right. and Helga Brandt have both failed to, uh, to place in our list. Um, we'll maybe talk about... Uh, there's a specific reason why Helga Brandt doesn't make the list, but we will get to that uh, later, right. I think. So I guess just to run down these names, so Helga Brandt and Kissy Suzuki from You Only Live Twice, Ruby Bartlett from Under Majesty's Secret Service, who I'm actually very fond of. She just bubbling under um, Miss Caruso and Solitaire from Live and Let Die uh, Andrea Anders and Mary Goodnight from The Man with the Golden Gun which is all of the women in that movie I think um, yep. Naomi in The Spy Who Loved Me who's the the helicopter pilot Corrine in Moonraker and Manuela in R- Moonraker who are both Manuela characters. nearly made my list because she was kind of awesome but uh, she disappears in that movie she does she literally I mean she doesn't get killed but it feels like she does get killed um, yes exactly very strange. Countess Liesel von Schlaff in For Your Eyes Only. Uh, Paula Ivanova, Stacey Sutton in A View to a Kill. Lupe Lamora in License to Kill. Another one who almost made the list for me. Same, same. Um, just because she's such a like little sex pot, you know? Gotta love oh, that. Oh, I loved her. Yeah. I really <laughs> um, loved her. 
<laughs> Caroline in Goldeneye, uh, terrible character. Dr. Molly Absolutely. Warmflash, very similar character to Caroline. <laughs> yeah. um, Solange in Casino Royale, who we were both very fond of when we watched the movie, but she doesn't make the cut. Valenka, who barely registers as a character. Um, <laughs> she mostly just screams. She does almost kill Bond, so I guess she's got that going for her, but she has like no dialogue, pretty much. And um, less than five minutes of screen time, I yeah. would argue. <laughs> uh, Strawberry Fields or Miss Fields from Quantum of Solace. Uh, love Gemma Arterton, but uh, it's kind of a, a regressive role, and I think even she says that to this day. Recently, she has said that. Uh, yeah. And actually, uh, yeah, I think you should uh, look up that article where she talks about it, how she regrets actually being a Bond girl. Yes. Because, that is the, because that's the character that they gave her. Unfortunately, it really sucked. And yeah, yeah Gemma Arterton is such a great actor. Absolutely. Could could do so much more uh, in a Bond movie. Could be a Bond, really. Yeah, um, honestly. Severin from Skyfall and Dr. Madeline Swan and Lucia Schiara from Spectre. And of course, Lucia Schiara is Monica Bellucci, who should always be top of so many lists but sadly does not score well in this one no uh she was uh she did nearly make my cut for number 30 i will say but just because of who she is mm-hmm. so yeah that's a big old uh, long list of women who many of them we love but they, <laughs> they don't quite make the cut you know i think one thing i was worried about that we would show a lot of recency bias, uh-huh. but I can already see that uh, our picks are going to be as wide a range as these films themselves. And that's kind of exciting. So yeah. let's start off at, I guess, the ones that we disagree on. This will be 38 to 30. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have two Carvers, a good head. <laughs> uh all right, let's start talking about them from the top. Rosie Carver, uh, I actually didn't place her, but you did. And I was this close as well. She yeah. was hovering at, at around 30 for me. Um, and I actually bumped her for Paris Carver, who is <laughs> my 30 and a 31 for you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's interesting. We, 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 we managed to slip those Carver ladies in right at the uh, <laughs> right at the wire. Um, yeah, I could easily see either of these. Like, basically, I think these women are both in the right spot. Pretty much, they're both yeah. uh, like joint thirty seventh, I guess, in our lists. Um, so, yeah, I, Rosie. For me, we talked last episode about how disappointing the treatment of that character is, um, yeah. and it's kind of the potential I'm rewarding and the sort of the historical significance of the character um, and a great performance. You know, Gloria Hendry is is great in a thankless role. I totally agree, and I really appreciate that you uh, helped Eker in there. Uh, I had to choose Paris Carver, because if I didn't, I think my husband may have left me. Uh, <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies is his favorite movie. He loves all of the women from that movie, and he's just such a Terry Hatcher fan, particularly for her Paris Carver role. So I definitely went with my heart on that one, <laughs> and I chose uh, Terry Hatcher. You chose to maintain your marriage. I see. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, Holly Goodhead comes in at uh, number 36. Uh, oh, she, she made your list and not mine, I think. Oh, yes. Uh, I gave her uh, 29. This is the recency bias because I watched Moonraker very recently. Uh, it is definitely on my uh, <laughs> list of lower quality Bond films. <laughs> uh, as fun as it is, the last act is a uh, mess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Holly Goodhead kind of appears throughout it. She is both working with Bond and against Bond. She has a lot to do in that film. Uh, and so I rewarded her uh, a spot on my list. That's fair. Like, she is a major Bond girl, but she just, 
always leaves me like wanting more from her. Well, Lois Childs, not, yeah. not, not great. I'm going to be honest. The end of that movie, <laughs> when they're nearly burning up in the atmosphere, it like she might have been sedated. I, I was very worried about her health. Uh, now, at positions 34 and 35, we have two of the many women of Thunderball. It's actually quite a crowded <laughs> film uh, for, for Bond women. Uh, but we each picked a different uh, <laughs> Thunderball woman to place in the chart. So you chose Domino Daval and I chose a Nurse Pat Fearing. I mean, I'm going to argue that at least Domino murders the main <laughs> villain of the movie. <laughs> she has a tiny bit of agency. <laughs> well, you know, I think Pat Fearing has agency. She does succumb to Bond's charms, uh, but she resists a fair bit. And she's mm -hmm. actually like, she's, got some toughness in her like i've always liked that Agreed. performance i've always liked that she she does push back and she seems to maintain some sort of independence even in spite of the apparently narcotic powers of sean connery's bond to seduce women uh, i remember watching that bond women documentary that came out i think uh in the early mid 2000s um and pat or uh molly peters herself just glowingly talked about getting to do this scene, how excited she was. This was the height of Bond. This is the highest grossing Bond film of all time, essentially. <laughs> um, and yeah, she just really lovingly talks about getting to play around with Sean, who she, who they had a great relationship with oh, that's uh, great. each other on set. So yeah, uh, Molly, Pe Molly Peters nearly made my list as well. And I'm really surprised we both rated the next person the same. And oh, I yeah. think for good reason. So that is Aki, played by Akiko Wakabayashi, uh, the third of the You Only Live Twice, Roald Dahl-written Bond women. Aki is like a fighter. Uh, she is beautiful, and she is working with Bond, but there's a sense that she's doing her own thing. I really like the role of Aki. Yeah, it's the only one of the three Bond women in that movie that feels like it had the potential to be something greater. Um, she has this wonderful, like, Audrey Hepburn-esque style to her that oh, is yeah. wonderful to see. Um, uh, but she dies. She's, she's killed in a really quite horrible fashion. One of the sadder Bond deaths, I would argue, actually, because it comes in the middle of the night, totally mm -hmm. unexpected, and I would say undeserving. Uh, yeah. That character probably should have just been the main Bond girl throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's actually no real reason why she's replaced by Kissy. Like, Kissy doesn't add anything that Aki couldn't do, except that Dahl had a, a, a formula that exists only in his own mind. Poor Aki. Uh, so level pegging with Aki at number 32 on our list is Lana Wood's character from Diamonds Are Forever, Plenty O'Toole, named after her father, no doubt. <laughs> Not one of my picks, but I totally understand why she made the list, because we know how much of a fan you are of that movie, that line, that character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can I not vote for Plenty O'Toole? Um, it is it is a glowing performance by Lana Wood, who is Natalie Wood's uh, younger sister, I think. Um, yes. And uh, and like it's a really chipper, fun role that I'm just very fond of. Again, she, she dies tragically and, and undeservedly so. Agreed. And next on our list, also one I didn't pick, even though this this was pretty close. Uh, Sylvia Trench from Dr. No and from Russia With Love. Yes, the legendary uh, Bond woman that was almost James Bond's girlfriend for the Sean Connery movies. She only ended up 
appearing in two the first two films um but she sort of has a place in bond history and and rated high enough to make the list on on my side uh basically on on that recognition of, of her place in in the history I appreciate that. And then a Bond woman that we have discussed at some length already from The World Is Not Enough. It's time for Christmas. Dr. Christmas Jones, in fact. The World Is Not Enough. I love it. Uh, I think we can both agree that uh, Dr. Christmas Jones surprised us. Yeah. That she had a lot more to do in that film than either of us remembered. uh, And that Denise Richards' performance wasn't as bad (laughs) as we thought it was going to be. And you know what? That's a lot of credit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah and this is definitely a case of having watched the movie recently and yeah we we sort of felt she deserved a reappraisal so so she makes the list let's go down to number 29 our, on our list and it is cara malovi played by mariam darbo in the living daylights wow uh i rated uh cara a lot higher than you did but i feel like first of all i feel like we needed to get some dalton Bond representation in mm-hmm. here. I really love those uh, Timothy Dalton movies. Uh, and Kara does have a lot to do in that film. She is a bit of a damsel in distress, I guess, in the end. Uh, but she is a spy and uh, she is one of the rare characters that is in the entire film. She's a fine character, but she wasn't quite memorable enough for me. Well, perhaps 28 is more memorable for both of us. Uh, that would be Paula Kaplan from Thunderball. Uh, okay, go for it. Why do you love Paula so much? <laughs> uh, we, yeah, this is another one where our numbers are virtually flipped. She didn't make your list and she rated high enough on mine that she comes in here just below Kara uh, or just above Kara. Uh, yeah, I just really think that Paula, she's one of the better like female spy characters, one of the better like agent characters. She seems very in control and she at no point seems to actually submit to bond uh which is very unusual for an ally a female ally um and she just has a lot of style and class about her martine beswick is actually an actress who has appeared in more than one bond film she was one of the women in the uh traveler encampment in uh from russia with love as well Um, oh i didn't know that yeah and she's i think she brings a gravity to the character of paula that uh, that makes the character bigger than the part. I love that reasoning. At number 27 on our list, it's Camille Montez from Quantum of Solace, Olga Korylenko. Uh, I definitely rated Camille uh, higher than Andrew did. I gave her the <laughs> 20 spot on my list. Uh, I really like the character of Camille. Uh, she's tough, uh, tragic backstory, uh, and... Uh, Unfortunately, typical third act doesn't have a lot to do other than being uh, in need of saving. But throughout the film, she kicks ass. And she is one of the, like you said about Paula, one of the few uh, women who turned down Bond's advances. Uh, And yeah, I I appreciate strong women who, uh, I appreciate the strong women who work alongside Bond, who don't necessarily fall for Bond. Yeah, I mean, she is definitely one of the, I think she's the only Bond woman who is the third act or final woman who absolutely doesn't have sex with Bond. And partly that's because she comes immediately after Vesper. And so he should be still grieving for Vesper during that movie. Right. It's it's hours past, basically, between <laughs> Vesper's death and this movie. Sure. Yeah, let's believe that. <laughs> All right, we have two uh, women in joint 25th place, so let's see who they are. 
Miss Taro from Doctor No and Jill Masterson from Goldfinger. Ah! And again, the numbers are an exact flip of each other. Uh, We both rated one of these women 18 and the other not on our lists. So you talk about Miss Tarot. Okay, well, I mean, we did Dr. No recently, and uh, and I talked about it a bit there, that she basically represents the, the dream existence for me, living in this beautiful house in the Jamaican Hills, incredible decor, um, beautiful eye makeup, which is also, unfortunately, racist, as we have discussed, um, but we can... We can reinterpret it as just a beautiful fashion choice. Um, she is stunning, uh, and she does survive. Uh, so credit there. And she's kind of like, she's smart. She has agency. Uh, she's duplicitous. She's sexy. I love Miss Taro. What about Jill Masterson? I think Jill Masterson is probably one of the most iconic women to ever be in Bond, simply because of the fact that she dies covered in gold paint. Uh, But on top of that, she works for the villain, but she doesn't seem to care about working with the villain. Uh, She gets seduced by Bond, but it's all of her own volition. I don't feel... Uh, I feel like she had the choice in that situation. Uh, Yeah, I really... She's only in the first... 15 minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. and i think she makes one of the most lasting impressions in cinema history you're right she is she is iconic it's maybe the most famous death in all of bond we have another tie coming up for 24 or actually Uh, 23rd sorry oh for 23rd of course uh i'll talk about tatiana romanova uh from russia with love i picked another spy wow i okay i might have a thing for female (laughs) spies and assassins um but i rated to tatiana uh close to the middle of uh my list actually i find her very sexy i think she's in one of the best bond movies ever made uh and she yeah she gets to do cool spy things like seduce bond instead of the other way around (laughs) even though i guess in the end she falls for him yeah, and that's kind of what counted against her for me in the end is that she's, you know, she's this honey trap spy, which great, okay. Uh, but she does become sort of, she goes from faking being besotted to actually being besotted. And I find it a little disempowering as a, as an arc. That's fair. She is stunning though. And, uh, then we have in joint 23rd place from Die Another Day. It is Jinx Johnson, who I honestly thought you would rate not only uh higher than me but way higher uh and in fact we we have almost exactly the same rating for her and i'm just one place ahead of you i must say this (laughs) that is actually the curse of recency bias because i watched that film to prepare for this episode Uh and oh it is so disappointing yeah jinx johnson should have been one of the best bond roles ever created and unfortunately it's in the wrong movie uh and the director did not use Halle Berry uh at all like really unfortunate however the character does awesome things she is a fighter she gets in crazy situations but unfortunately she's just saved like too too many times in that movie for her to be as high on the list as some of the other women to come yeah uh, you can see why they thought the character should have a spin-off but uh but you can also see why it didn't land mm-hmm. in the end but i really love the character i mean she landed where she did on our lists out of all 60 of our picks here because she's memorable. She's totally memorable. Uh, she was one of my first like, like crushes. I mean, I just absolutely loved Halle Berry, particularly because of this film. I wish I could rate her higher. 
Now, in 22nd place, we have from For Your Eyes Only, Melina Havelock, Carol Bouquet. I did not rate her at all. And I, re- I, I this was a case, again, if I rewatched the movie and decided that, no, I just don't care for Melina Havelock. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, you know what? I didn't watch the movie and I was going on my memory. So maybe I'm remembering Melina's role all wrong. <laughs> I remember For Your Eyes Only as one of the better, more films. But I'm maybe I'm wrong. Tell me a bit more, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I think that For Your Eyes Only maybe doesn't hold up that great. I guess I shouldn't, like, color your perception of it because, yeah, I was pretty disappointed in the movie when I watched it because I also thought that it was a better film than it now feels to me. Uh, so I look forward to having that conversation. Ooh, okay. Um, and Melina, you, you know, she, she has some good stuff going for her that she is, like, a, a vengeance-driven woman and she's uh, not typically feminine which i like about her Um, that was the reason why she raided yeah in the middle of my pack but she also feels a bit like a sort of stroppy brat to me (laughs) final assessment (laughs) you know what having said that i think i understand well exactly why i picked her (laughs) yeah that that checks out (laughs) (laughs) who's number 21 here it is Magda from Octopussy, who you did not rate, and I rated very high. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got a defender. <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly, I, re-watching Octopussy, I fell in love with Magda, played by oh. Christina Wayborn. Um, she is a much stronger character than I remember. She's so, like, she's very tough, and she's very fun, and she's incredibly glamorous. Um, and I just feel like we don't because she's in one of the like notoriously bad bond movies mm-hmm. and because there is a much more famous bond woman uh in Maud Adams's Octopussy um she tends to get overlooked but she's stylish she's an ass kicker um she actually has some important things to do in the plot she's uh she's a henchwoman to a non-villainous character um and yeah i think that that like if you're going to talk about characters that could have actually been spun off magda is actually a contender oh wow i love that and great defense that's uh <laughs> you know i i'm glad that we had wildly different opinions on these last two characters i feel like that has rightly earned them their spots so yes <laughs> at the at the edge of our favorites <laughs> yeah so uh we have another tie in 19th place Irma Bunt played by Ilsa Steppert on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and Bambi and Thumper, who, again, I rated incredibly high, and you did not rate at all. I don't know if with Bambi and Thumper it was a case of you just don't think they count as Bond women. Um, <laughs> I, okay, there is a little bit of that. Uh, I I appreciate their one scene, but Andrew, <laughs> it's one scene. It's. <laughs> I just... guess that you could say that of a lot of these people, but I mean... <laughs> it's not my favorite part of that movie. I don't think they have much to do. Uh, it's like a case of Sean Connery brutally <laughs> attacking women, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's also a case of these women brutally attacking Sean Connery. And oh. that's, you know, for me, this mm-hmm. was one of the first times that I ever got to see women kicking ass that with that much accomplishment in a movie like the whole uh, you know we now live in an age where we get to see characters like black widow on the screen we never got to see actual athletic stunt performing women in movies but in diamonds are forever lola larson and trina parks as bambi and thumper do actually get to um 
kick Sean Connery's butt. They they do lose in the end, but they they put up a nice fight. It's a good fight scene, and also mm-hmm. there's just the idea of these two women lounging about in the stolen property, um, in their swimming <laughs> costumes, uh, living some sort of blissful sapphic Las Vegas lifestyle. Um, that maybe it's the version of Bambi and Thumper that exists in my head that I'm rating so highly here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I have endless time for Bambi and Thumper. We Love rated uh, Irma Bunt from OHMSS almost exactly the same. Um, and she's landed at about that spot in the final list as well. So talk about Irma Bunt. Uh, I think Irma Bunt is an awesome foil for James Bond in that movie. So awesome that she makes one of the most lasting impressions on the character. Mm-hmm. She murders his wife uh, successfully. Uh, she is an authority figure and like so menacing throughout the entire story. She's captivating. Uh, Ilsa Steppet does a great job of bringing this evil woman to life. Uh, and there's, and it's nuanced. You feel like she actually does care for the women who are her charges, even though she's getting, uh, she's using them to murder millions. Uh, yeah, I think she's an intriguing character with an intriguing background. Yeah, really cool. Irma Bunn, you make the list. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, you know, she she might have placed higher if there weren't a similar character who is clearly going to rank much higher than she did. Or, exactly. Well, I don't know if much higher, but certainly higher. Um, also, yeah, she is the woman that beat James Bond. She gets away with killing his wife. She never so faces cute. consequences for that. And that's amazing. Number 18 on the list. Pam Bouvier, who I rated rather highly. Um, I really enjoy Carrie Lowell's performance in License to Kill. I think having watched License to Kill recently, I realized that this is one of the first Bond films I actually remember mm-hmm. because that that scene with the um, exploding head in the pressure chamber uh, <laughs> has been burned into my mind. Right. Uh, but Pam Bouvier in that film looks amazing in every outfit. You meet her and she's carrying a shotgun in a roadhouse style bar in Florida. She is so cool. She kicks ass. She is in the movie from beginning to end. Uh, yeah, I, I totally dug the character after watching this film again. Number 17 on the list, Natalia Simonova from GoldenEye. We both rated her 19 on our lists. Perfect. This is another case of a really cool character who kind of... uh, uh, This is another case of a character who kind of defies our expectations of who the Bond woman is going to be in this film. Uh, She is like a hacker and a Russian agent who is neither good nor bad. Uh, She's just trying to do her job and she survives this terrifying attack on her workplace. Uh, And she has a great relationship with not just Bond, but with other characters in the film. She's not just attached to Bond's side. She gets to interact with other characters, which I realized is actually so rare for so many of these characters. Yeah, it's one of the really extraordinary things about Natalia is she is introduced into the movie really early in the movie but doesn't meet Bond until like halfway through she has her own storyline that only eventually intersects with him and she gets to do things like she's resourceful she makes her way from the the attack site back to Moscow um, she manages to seduce her way into a computer store um, she's like she's actually one of the most uh, 
independent women that we ever encounter in the franchise and she looks amazing in a cardigan i mean amen how many bond women are pulling off cardigan chic it's it's natalia's game <laughs> you know and at 16 oh the titular octopusy herself maud adams in her second appearance on this list as octopusy uh i think this is right right she is the title character she yeah. is the only uh woman on this list who is the title character of her film uh <laughs> which i guess is saying something uh she plays a major role obviously she's octopusy is a great character she's a circus performer slash madam slash assassin what more can you say <laughs> yeah i think there's so much like potential to the character there's a richness there like in the end the film doesn't serve her particularly well but maud adams makes you forget how little she's actually doing because she's she's glamorous and she feels like she has authority and she feels like she has intensity to her um you want to know what's happening in octopus's world and the movie doesn't really give it to you but that's a that's a testament to how great adams is in the role i think yep we have another tie coming up in 14th place Tilly Masterson and Anya Amasova. Uh, interesting, actually. I didn't think this would be a tie. I really thought Anya would rate a bit higher on your list as well. But let's talk about Tilly first. Okay, yeah. Tilly, uh, for me, rates very high and for, for you rates pretty high as well. I think because yeah. she is... She's an incredibly feisty, strong-headed, independent woman. She looks incredibly chic, and she has her own story going on. She's she's like Melina Havelock, actually. She's revenge-motivated. Uh, she's a bit butch, and she's a character who you kind of think could have had a, a better story if she had never crossed Bond's path, really. Oh, 100%. If he had never found her on that cliffside, she might have actually succeeded in getting revenge on Goldfinger, you know? <laughs> yeah. She yeah, she doesn't actually get to fulfill her quest, but it's a righteous quest to avenge her sister. She does seem to be a queer character, both in like in the book she definitely is and in the movie I think she she also very clearly is. I think so as well. And she does not succumb to Bond's charms. And uh, and she wears a pencil skirt like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, really, really fantastic uh, performance by Tanya Mallet in that movie. And then next on our list, Anya Amasova, who is a triple X from The Spy Who Loved Me. She was in my top 10, I must <laughs> say, um, having watched that film uh, quite recently as well. She uh, appears in the opening scene. She is in the last scene. She goes from defying Bond's advances to succumbing to defying them again. She <laughs> wants to kill him at various points throughout. She kicks ass. She takes Jaws down first. Uh, she she gets to do everything. It's a silly movie, but Barbara Bach plays it really seriously, and I kind of love her in it. I think it's the silliness of the movie that counts against her for, for me. Because, um, yes, The Spy Who Loved Me is way more stupid than it should be um yeah there's so much good the, to the, the the narrative and then the movie is just sort of laughably <laughs> clownish um and and barbara bach is feels kind of out of place or rather the the movie around her feels like it's not living up to her and so i i ended up counting her down a little bit I, but maybe I'm being unfair. Like this is the one of the few places where I feel like maybe maybe I could have rated her higher. That's all right. I feel like she's landed right where she belongs at number <laughs> 14. Um, but who is our number 13? It is Fiona Volpe. Now this is a divisive oh, one. Oh, I am so sorry, Andrew. 
You know what? I really, uh, I teetered so much on rating Fiona Volpe much higher. Um, and I think I just, there were just characters I loved more. But I mean, what an awesome moment she gets in Thunderball. Yeah, Fiona Volpe is for me like the definitive Bond bad girl, uh, which is why she actually rated number three on my list. But Shane dragged her st- score all the way down to 13th uh, so she doesn't crack the top 10 it will break my heart forever um, <laughs> Luciana Paluzzi is m- one of the most stunning women to ever feature in a Bond movie in any movie in my opinion um, she is the reason why Karen Dawes Helga Brandt I think doesn't make the list because uh, yeah. uh, Helga Brandt is such a rerun of Fiona Volpe down to the way they style the character down to the, the role she plays in the movie Fiona Volpe is incredibly tough She's an assassin who very successfully blows a man up with her motorbike. Um, <laughs> she is incredibly uh, forthright. She gives as good as she gets with Bond. She sleeps with him, uh, but you know it's absolutely her own volition. Um, and that if anything, she's the one in control in that relationship. And then she does. She gives one of the great speeches of all time where she tells him she's not one of those girls who's going to fall in love with the great James Bond. Um, and then she has one of the best deaths in Bond history when she's uh, when she's dancing with Bond and takes a bullet to the back and uh, and he sits her down and says, do you mind if my friend sits? She's just dead. Oh, that was a passionate defense. <laughs> I mean, it's too bad that these scores are locked and have been sent to the government <laughs> and our paperwork has been filed because we can't change it now. <sighs> uh, <laughs> But you're so right. And I mean, she scares Bond with a simple car ride. Yeah. Uh, that's, that says a lot. Uh, I, I love the character as well. Uh, I'm glad that she rates as highly as she does on this list because of your passionate defense of her. <laughs> and when I start my new Bond podcast with a different co-host. <laughs> uh- <laughs> you horrible bitch. Twelfth <laughs> uh, place, another one where, where my high score... <laughs> And your ignorance (laughs) have landed the character way too low on the list, which means that we're about to see the exact reverse multiple times higher Uh up on the list. Uh, So, Tiffany Case, played by Jill St. John from Diamonds Are Forever. She was my number five, but she lands at number 12 on the list. I love Tiffany Case. Uh, I think she is one of the most infectious characters. She is an absolute... She's a cockroach of a woman. (laughs) (laughs) She does survive everything in that movie. Yeah, she's a pragmatic survivalist who absolutely, like, is out for herself, um, is determined to get rich. She loves glamour. She, uh, she loves sex. She, she will switch sides, uh, back and forth, uh, on a whim almost. Well, not on a whim, actually. She always knows where the money is and she's always following it. And I think Jill St. John brings so much love and life to that character. Um, and she's one of the shorthead bond girls which i like i i really appreciate a sex worker slash diamond thief uh <laughs> who globe trots with the best of them uh yeah jill st john so absolutely devastatingly gorgeous you're right that short hair i almost forgot about it because of all of the wigs in that movie the <laughs> wiggy wiggy wigs if diamonds are forever you know what this is the silly factor for me again right uh, i think that we saw with anya with triple x i think the movie is just so absurd that i would have rated her higher if she were in a better film i'm sorry if that's sacrilege <laughs> and this is saying as someone who loves that film <laughs> Right, so in our 11th place, just missing the top 10, it is 
Oh my goodness. <gasps> Honey Rider. Dr. No, she really just bubbling under there. I rated her at number 8, you rated her number 13. She lands at number 11. I'm a little shocked that she didn't make your top 10. Uh, look, I, I, as you know, there is stiff competition. Yeah. You're about to have a tie for 8th place coming up. <laughs> um, Honey Rider, one of the greats, one of the, like, the most famous scene in Bond is, I feel like, her walking out of the ocean. What can you say? She is, a, she welds a knife like no other. She collects seashells and looks beautiful in a bathing suit or a kimono. Yeah, I Ursula Andress, the most famous Bond woman of all time. How could I not rate her uh, in at least the upper echelon? Uh, I just didn't go top 10 because, I don't know, we'll talk about the people who are to come, but uh, there are uh, characters who have a lot more to do in their film than Honey Rider gets to do. Well, before we uh, crack into that top 10, then, do you have, did you have uh, an approach, a formula that you were working when you were rating these uh, Bond women? Uh, oh, did I? Uh, so I, I mostly went with memory to start, and I gave everyone uh, 1, 5, 10, 15, uh, 20, 25, 30, or 31, and just kind of uh, went, and I started there. And then when I saw who turned out to be my top 35, 40 were, I started going back into the movies where I had question marks, yeah. uh, making notes, uh, and seeing uh, who kind of met my expectations, who were below or above, uh, and adjusted from there. Uh, but I feel like you were a lot more methodical. <laughs> I saw your point score uh, <laughs> on some of these. Not not the point that you gave them in the end, but you were using the dolls rules, uh, and you had notes beside uh, each uh, Bond woman, which I definitely stole from you <laughs> uh yeah just to keep track of like how often the doll rule actually came into effect like do they arrive in the first act do they arrive in the second do they survive but yeah i did a very similar thing where i sort of grouped them initially and it was like yeah these ones i know are going to be like in my top 10 these ones i need to go back and look at the movie and see you know does this character live up to my memory or is this character better than i recall um i then actually went through like i i came up with my my ranking and then i decided to like score them on like subcategories so how glamorous is this woman how badass is this woman yeah. uh does this woman have the x factor which of course allows me to just give points to my favorites and skew the numbers <laughs> um and, and i think that's important though that x factor actually might have been the yeah. most important part for me because so many of these characters fall into a category they are so many of them are the same yes there was a, like that obviously 30 through 60 for us are just you know they fall into a lump at the bottom end uh it's really that x factor that defines someone who i gave a 1 to 15 for i think yeah so yeah the the x factor is is ultimately what's going to decide it for a lot of these women but yeah when i when i added up my scores the the numbers the rankings moved a little bit but actually a lot of things were like set in stone like my number one didn't change because uh, she's a perfect five in every category so i was scoring <laughs> I out of five am... in my personal categories just to explain that <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> understood <laughs> but we'll get to who that is oh god i really hope that we don't have huge disagreements but the scores the, like the, the scores here are still pretty high numbers which means there is some dis big disagreements still yeah. even inside the top 10 oh my god oh this is going to be devastating to one of us or both of us <laughs> let's see 
Who is the first of our tie? Okay, so you want me to just reveal them one at a time? Yeah, I think these are the women who who we want to talk about most. That's true, that's true. Okay, so in joint eighth place, one of three women to score in joint eighth place, it is Miranda Frost from Die Another Day. Oh, I rated her so highly. She was my top five. She was number five. But, I mean, Miranda Frost is such a... oh. Damn it, I'm going to say it. She's such a cool character. She (laughs) is against Bond through every step of the movie. She is fighting him up until the point where she like gets him in the sack and not the other (laughs) way around. And she's using it for her own purposes. Uh, I really, really love Rosamund Pike in this movie. I think this introduced her to the world, basically. uh, And she's gone on to do such great things with her career. And I think she is one of the most intriguing characters in the Bond franchise. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is one of those cases where I think we feel the same way about her, but our numbers are slightly different because of maybe the nostalgia factor, like the, oh, totally. the, the Brosnan movies have a slightly different value for you from when you came to them in your life versus for what they represent to me. But I was shocked when rewatching Die Another Day, I came out of that movie thinking, I didn't remember Miranda Frost being this awesome a character, but she right? is a hundred percent awesome and absolutely deserves to be like highly placed as a bond woman like for one of the most recent bond women um and bond villains she looks fierce she wears a sports bra in her final (laughs) fight which is just like amazing um she's so fully possessed of herself um and she's actually the more interesting villain of of that movie so uh, yeah i'm i'm totally happy that she placed in the top 10 great it's a it's a critical reappraisal of of miranda frost i feel like i feel like she didn't get her due because because the movie was in the wrong movie that was a it's a horrible like that might be the camp the worst of the campy bond films right uh it has just too much absurdity when they're it's so serious no one knows what movie they're in except for rosamund pike she knows what (laughs) movie she's in and she delivers yeah yeah she's brilliant okay joint eighth place again it is Uh. Vespa Lind, Eva Green in Casino Royale. We rated her very close together. I'm again surprised you didn't rate her higher because I thought you liked her even more than I do. I know, I can't believe that. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, she landed where she needed to be, right? She is the top 10 character, essentially. Uh, And how could you not? She is the driving factor behind Bond, which, you know, I mean, it means her character gives him agency. But in this movie, I mean, Vesper is a double agent. She is smart. She is so sexy. And Eva Green is incredible in that role. I think she makes Casino Royale as impactful as it is. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a career defining uh, performance. You know, it's it's the sort of role where you're like, well, maybe the Bond movies should actually be getting Oscar consideration uh, yeah. once in a while because Ava Green is, you know, as she gives as good a performance as anyone has ever given in a Bond film. Um, and uh, yeah, it, I think placing her in the top ten is absolutely just and right. So completing our uh, our little troika of uh eighth place women inside the top 10 it is eve moneypenny from skyfall oh. and specter we decided that the the other money pennies uh would not be up for consideration in this list because they have a sort of role outside of what a bond woman is but eve is the one version of money penny that actually slides right into a traditional 
Bond woman uh, role in the movie Skyfall. Um, so we decided that we would rate her, and of course we rated her uh, very highly indeed. Um, because she's so incredible in that movie. Yeah. Sure, she nearly kills the main character in the opening <laughs> scene, but she does everything to make up for that moment, damn it. She is the best part of that casino scene. She, I think she's the best part of that film, actually. I watched <laughs> Skyfall for Naomi Harris. Yeah, um, and it was a great reinvention of the character. Like I've, I've spoken before that I find it frustrating um, that she resigns from the field. Like she's introduced in the movie oh, as this yeah. incredibly competent agent. Uh, and then she, because she shoots Bond, not because of anything that happens to her, but because of something she does to him, she resigns from the field and becomes, uh, M's secretary. She becomes the money penny role. Um, and that's frustrating and disappointing, but. The other way to look at it is this is a money penny who has field experience and who is competent to serve in the field. Um, and I think maybe we'll even see some of that again in No Time to Die, uh, fingers crossed. Oh, I'm really hoping. I, I really want the last Daniel Craig movie to give the juiciest parts to these women. Yeah. All right, we have another tie for sixth place. So let's see who the first lady filling that slot is. It's Waylin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is a shocker. <laughs> this is a nostalgia factor for me, obviously. Tell us where she uh, placed on your list, Shane. Waylin, believe it or not, was my number one. Goodness me. <laughs> I mean, that's high. Shane, it doesn't get I, higher. <laughs> I know, because look at what she does. She is in the entire movie. She, Her story, if we were watching Tomorrow Never Dies from Wei Lin's perspective, she has the exact same movie as Bond does. <laughs> Wei Lin does it all. She is the Bond of Hong Kong, of China. I, I don't know how you can argue that she isn't in the top five, Andrew. You rated her number 17? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the payback <laughs> this is the payback <laughs> this is actually this is the argument i thought we were going to have about halle berry's jinx um oh interesting that's I, I didn't think you'd place her number one but i thought i thought the gap would be something like this uh because of the nostalgia factor you got to admit that also like this might be a bit of a star trek and uh discovery uh, <laughs> how bias. dare you bring up my other <laughs> podcast worse than the borg streaming on spotify <laughs> Like, we both know that Michelle Yeoh is one of the most amazing human beings alive in the world. Yeah, I think that is definitely... I am definitely... A lot of my top 10 picks are also the actors who portray yeah. these characters. And Michelle Yeoh is one of the best actors, I think, that we have who is, you know, so active right now. And yeah. she's been doing amazing roles since the 90s. Like this, I, I honestly think that without Michelle Yeoh, Tomorrow Never Dies is a, a garbage film but she <laughs> really re okay maybe i'll give a little credit to uh old what's his name the villain in that one oh jonathan price <laughs> thank you we love jonathan price but really that movie is michelle yo she is so awesome she kicks ass like no one else uh and she, when i think of bond women there are like three to five people who immediately come to mind and waylin is one of them Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, this throws everything into doubt for the rest of the list. <laughs> I think we're a bit more aligned in our two, three, and one 
or who will eventually be two, three, and one. But this is clearly an outlier. <laughs> I just, for me, Waylin just doesn't feel archetypal. You know, she's almost too, uh, too much her own movie coming in, you know, crossing paths with, with, uh, with James Bond. And, and mm. so, yeah, she, she doesn't, I don't think of her as well, like when I think of Bond woman, she's not one of the first people I think of. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe when we have the Tomorrow Never Dies conversation, uh, I will, uh, I will give Waylin a reappraisal. Um, I really look forward to that. I think you <laughs> might see something in her that, uh, you that clearly don't see right now. <laughs> she's still placed on my list. Like 17 is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and well, thanks to my efforts, she places pretty damn high on our list. <laughs> but who's next in this tie for sixth place? It is Electric King from The World Is Not Enough, who, uh, again, I thought I had rated pretty high at 14. You rated her <laughs> number four. Yeah, I mean, Electric King is a badass. She nearly succeeds in killing Bond and M. I mean, and we talked about this movie recently. Yeah. Sophie Marceau is, once again, one of the best parts of uh, Pierce Brosnan Bond film. The women in those films really make the mo- make or break the movie. Uh, and I think Electric King's character stands the test of time more so than a lot of the other characters we've seen from that yeah. uh, uh, from that era. Honestly, Electric King was one person who initially I thought, well, she'll probably like land near the bottom of my list, but she definitely makes my list. And just the more I thought about her and the more I put her up against other Bond women, uh, the higher and higher she got on the list. Um, at one point, I think I even had her higher than I do now, and she she slid a little bit after some of my rewatchings. Uh, but I absolutely think that like she is. You know, I am more old school than you because I grew up before the Brosnan movies existed. Like, the, right. those happened by the point I was like a young adult or an actual adult. Conscious <laughs> enough to know what it meant to you, yeah. Yeah, and I grew up with a lot of, you know, I grew up watching the Sean Connery movies. The Dalton movies happened like right at my adolescence. So I didn't have those growing up. I didn't have Brosnan growing up. You have a very different perception of some of these movies. And so I skew a bit more classic and obviously the Roger Moore movies don't have that much great in them. So it tends to be Connery for me that, that sort of filling the, the nostalgia bubble that for you, uh, some of these more recent movies can fall into. Yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting uh, divide between us, but uh, it's really diversified this list. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I like the results so far. You know, there's, yeah, me too. There's some fun, fun, uh, unexpected subversions in here. Shall <laughs> we? Shall we crack into the top five? Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> in fifth place, this is not a tie. She gets fifth all to herself. Xenia on a top from Goldeneye. This feels right, right? Yeah, I mean, Xenia on a top is so deadly and so wicked and <laughs> so sexual. Like probably the most sexual Bond villain, uh, one of the most sexual Bond characters. It's no wonder she writes highly in our list. Yeah, I was going to place her lower. I was like, oh, Xenia, she's like, she's kind of iconic and she's one of the great hench uh, villains. Um, but maybe she's been sort of overhyped because she, because of recency bias. Um, and then I rewatched Goldeneye and I'm like, no, this 
performance is fierce. Famke Janssen <laughs> is amazing. She owns this. She makes it like it's cartoonish, but she also makes it feel real and dangerous. Um, she's so sexy. I mean, not just a sexual character, but incredibly seductive, like one of the all time sexiest performances on screen, I think. Um, and yeah, Xenia actually does deserve her place in the Pantheon as one of the all time great Bond characters. Yep, agreed. Uh, and also just so much fun to play in the GoldenEye 64 <laughs> video game. Uh, she makes a list for that as well. <laughs> Who's number four? <laughs> it oh, It's all icons now. Only icons need apply at this point. So. <laughs> yes. In fourth place, Rosa Klebb. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I kind of love this as a placing for her. Yeah, me too. You know... If you've ever listened to any of the straight Bond podcasts, <laughs> I don't think Rosa Klebb would have made the list. I am so <laughs> fucking glad she is number four because Rosa Klebb is the fucking top bitch in From Russia With Love. <laughs> she nearly succeeds in murdering James Bond. Yep. She is like the head of the KGB. That's so awesome. She is the main villain of that film and she is brutal doing it. And Lada Lenya is... An, is herself an icon she yes. created she's essential in creating theater as we know it today and she's in a bond film it's it's too much for me uh yeah i remember as a kid like i i knew who rosa Klebb was and at some point in my life i knew who lottie lenya was and, and then, then you it, found out that they were the same person yes and that <laughs> moment in my life was like oh my god boy the the woman from from bertolt brecht's plays the this incredible uh chanteuse and performer one of the most famous theater songs mac the knife of all time yeah. sung by yeah i i and and she plays this incredible villain role. Um, she's also it's a very queer character, um, so it rates highly, I think, on that score as well. So uh, I have a feeling that our top uh, five here are all <laughs> queer coded characters. Am I wrong? I, we're about to find yeah. out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> who would have thought that that would be playing a role in our decision making? What a shock! What a shock! So yeah, Rosa Klebb. She's got the most sensible shoes in all of James Bond. Um, she is a she's a goddess and she deserves to be number four in the list in third place oh my goodness it is mayday played by grace jones from a view to a kill um again i don't think she would be in the straight boys uh top five uh though she is a beautiful stunning woman she's also sexually terrifying <laughs> and i think that straight boys are put off by that i don't know why um so yeah mayday is definitely as i've said before i think there is something queer about the character partly because she's played by grace jones another amazing uh performer and vocalist you know she has super strength that makes her unfeminine um she has short hair she's incredibly muscular like all of these things make her feel like a gender a subversive character she she doesn't get the best death scene but she makes that movie uh everything good you know oh yeah the uh, view to a kill uh, once again this is we're talking about a character who makes this film watchable i think uh grace jones performance is so captivating she is just every inch and breath of her is exudes cool you just want to be her uh I I can't say enough about Mayday. Uh, such a killer character. 
I'm so glad that she landed in top three. Neither of us actually rated her uh, or uh, placed her there, but I feel like this list is just working out in the right way all over. Yeah, there's there's just something in the cosmos that is the, the yeah. feeding us the numbers that we needed. Um, and and I'm just so glad that like a queer black woman is in our top three. Uh, yeah, that that makes me happy. <laughs> just on a personal note. I, I guess we reveal number two, but we're going to work out who number one is by by process of elimination. Um, but are you ready for it? I think I'm ready, and I have a feeling I know exactly how this is going to go. Uh, I know who these two women are, but I don't know what order I think they're going to be in. Oh, I, I, I look. I, I think we both know who has more agency in the role. Uh, and <laughs> let's, you know what? Reveal it. Let's talk about no. it because I'm pretty sure number two is going to be. <gasps> Tracy Bond, <laughs> Teresa De Vincenzo from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. She is the only woman to ever marry James Bond, and she is the second woman to cause him to mentally break down because of his devastating love for her. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tracy is a star. Diana Rigg in that role in On Her Majesty's Secret Service again. It's a performance that that makes the movie the the and you know a view to a kill i said mayday makes the movie it's still a pretty bad movie on a majesty's secret service yeah. is an actual genuine uh fantastic film um and diana rigg is the heart and soul of that film so much like depth and complexity to that character such an incredible performance and she does get to be you know self-possessed and feisty and she does get to defend herself she's in a lot of the movie although she does disappear for like the entire middle for a section quarter yeah <laughs> um, and yes like there, there is the problem that she is this suicidal woman who is being uh traded by her father you know th there's some there's some bad patriarchal messaging uh tied to it but she rises above uh i i think it's safe to say we both love tracy bond yeah i i don't have anything to add she is just so fabulous in that movie uh and even though he attempts to save her she saves him and i think that is so important yeah so here it is the number one Bond woman on our list. Really, the only person it could have been, despite my giving number one to someone else. <laughs> she was number one on my list. She was number two on your list. It is Pussy Galore, as played by the great Honor Blackman in the movie Goldfinger. Um, she is a queer woman, a villain turned hero, a, a pilot, a thief, uh, a kick-ass martial artist, um and just so glamorous and as i said before so handsome like such a, a a woman with just a unique sexual and uh beauty beautiful sort of allure to her but so self-possessed so independent by far the number one character in bond that i want to see in her own story Agreed. I mean, uh, Pussy is the only character who I never feel like is doing something for someone else. Even though she's working for others, you feel like uh, Pussy Galore has all the choice in the world. It's all her decision. And uh, I 
just love every single scene that she is in in that movie from the moment she captures him uh to her aviatrix abilities uh saving the day uh, yeah she's got everything i think goldfinger is the best bond film and i think pussy galore is the most iconic role in that film maybe pussy galore is the character that honestly made me fall in love with bond movies like that's that's looking back like that's not something I've ever thought of before, but looking back, it rings very true to me. Um You're so right. I, I totally feel the same way. I mean, yeah, as a Bond fan, I feel like Goldfinger is always going to be one of the first ones you see. It's the one that people tell you to watch because it is so quintessential. Uh and yeah, it's because of her that it stands out. If Waylon had not been your first place choice, then you know, out your two and your three are my one and my two. We we clearly rate those Pussy and Tracy. We rate uh, the same. After that, things fall apart a bit more. Yes, but I uh, once again looking over this list, it feels right. These are these are the icons. The top ten. The uh, even I would say the top fifteen. All of these roles are. Uh, so memorable in their own right. I really love that all three major female characters from Goldfinger have made our list. <laughs> that speaks to uh, what we're going to have to say uh, later on in our podcast series. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, okay, well, let's count down the, that top 15 uh, just so people can hear it all together. So in joint 14th place, Tilly from Goldfinger and uh, Major Anya Amasova from The Spy Who Loved Me. In 13th place, we have Fiona Volpe from Thunderball. And in 12th place, we have Tiffany Case from Diamonds Are Forever. 11th place, Honey Rider, as played by Ursula Andress in Doctor No. One of the only real shocks for me that she failed to crack the top 10. But in the top 10 was Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike from Die Another Day, uh, who I'm glad made the top 10, but Andrew wasn't expecting. Yeah, it's a shock, but I think it's going to stand the test of time. Uh, in joint 8th place, with her, we have Vespa Lind from Casino Royale. And Eve Moneypenny from Skyfall and Spectre. Those both feel like well-placed women from the more recent years of uh, Bond from the Daniel Craig run. Dynamic, three-dimensional, good choices. And then we have Waylin, the surprise high-placed pick from you. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with it. Let's let's slot Waylin into the uh, the pantheon of iconic Bond women. I'm glad we get to do that. Um, and then following that in joint sixth place, we have Electra King. That's Sophie Marceau from The World Is Not Enough. And then we crack the top five with Xenia on a top, played by Famke Janssen in GoldenEye. Uh, definitely a well-deserved placing. And I think from the uh, Brosnan era on, she is the highest placed. Correct. Uh, and then in number four, we have Rosa Klebb, or the fabulous Lotta Lenya in From Russia With Love, the most iconic villain from the early years of Bond film, I would say. In third place, Grace Jones herself as Mayday in A View to a Kill, the highest placed pure villain, I guess, although she does get a redemption arc. And I guess it depends on how uh, you qualify a number one placed woman. So maybe I'm just talking out of my hat. <laughs> no, no, I think you're absolutely right. She definitely falls on the more arch side of characters. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the total opposite, we have our number two place, Teresa DiVincenzo, Tracy Bond, played by Diana Rigg from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And of course, that leaves number one to Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. Is she good? Is she bad? She's just pussy. She's pussy. <laughs>
that is that was so fun. What a great list. And this just reminds me of how much I love these performances mm-hmm. and these characters. You know, we talk a lot about how misogynistic, sexist, backwards a lot of these Bond films are and the books and the subject matter. Uh, but women get to do awesome things uh, in some of these movies and really like take charge, take control, and they get to have their own narrative that is totally separate from kind of the horribleness that is happening around them and to them. Yeah, I think, you know, all of these characters that that cracked our top five stand up as like real cinema icons, as characters who, even though they come from this, this misogynist canon, this, this canon that does not give women their due, they have emerged as characters that, that, everyone can uh, find something to enjoy in them and that, that can be inspiring i think um and i love that our list is very queer like i don't know i don't know if tracy qualifies as a queer character we can we can discuss that in when we get to on her majesty's secret service but certainly pussy galore uh, mayday rosa Klebb are all very queer xenia i think is uh, certainly would also count i would say as a kind of kinky yeah. person yeah she's subversively sexual and very much owns her sexuality which is great um and yes this is not the list that every bond uh fan would come up with but it definitely feels like the one we would come up with it certainly does. I am so happy with it. <laughs> this is the the Miranda Frost Rehabilitation Society. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how does it work? Stack up for uh, uh, bonds, actually. Sean Connery gets a first place and fifth place, and then doesn't have another Bond woman in the top ten. Oh wow, interesting. Uh, Lazenby, of course, his only outing and. <laughs> His uh his best Bond gal makes it into our top two. Uh yeah, and uh we have Roger Moore with Mayday uh in a view to a kill. And after that, does he show up again? Oh, the spy who loved me would be his uh next at number fourteen. No, you're right. And then Brosnan, I perhaps overrepresented <laughs> <laughs> because of me. But we've got uh, Goldeneye, The World Is Not Enough, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Die Another Day, all four represented in the top ten. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's and that says a lot about the caliber of the actors uh, that they found that we had in the 90s yeah. playing these roles. Well, and I think it also speaks to the way that they reimagined the role of the Bond woman. Like, I mean, this is a thing that, that every actor that plays a Bond woman says that in interviews my character is not like the characters that came before. Um, it's like, it's a cliche. It's a, it's almost a joke. Um, that, that every Bond actor, uh, playing one of these women thinks that all the previous characters were damsels in distress, but theirs is a little more, uh, three dimensional. And actually there's more, yeah, com- read the room. <laughs> there's more complexity across the, like the canon than that. But there was a change that happened um, in the Brosnan era, like when when Judy Dench comes in as as M, it and Barbara Broccoli as producer. Yeah, it 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 meant that the women's roles did become uh, different in in important ways, and so I think that's why so many of these women uh, did so well in our final count. But not always the women that you would expect. You know, the fact that Miranda Frost, Frost makes the list, but Jinx does not. Um, 
you know, the top 10. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, that, pretty interesting. That says something. Uh, Daniel Craig, of course, <laughs> is represented through both Vespa and Eve Moneypenny, um, which feels right. I would say, like, a lot of his women are actually, like, like his, his women are actually less interesting than, than Brosnan's. Because he's less interested in women, it feels yeah. like, overall. Which may be a good direction for the series to head in, where he's not as hypersexualized all the time, even though they are hypersexual movies. Uh, I feel like Daniel Craig is a lot more business than some of the, the these other boys. Yeah, and the women are less cartoonish. You know, when you look at a character like Miranda or Xenia, like, they are very broad um villains uh and you know electra like stunningly glamorous but she feels kind of like a character from a pulp yes you don't get that with with you know you get dr madeline swan well i mean that's great and all uh you know it's a departure but she's not a very interesting character no or monica bellucci who you know so many of the bond women get five minutes or less of screen time but it's also what you get to do with the character in that five minutes that can make or break a role and they don't really give much for those women's parts in the later films yeah i wonder what the next bond will get if we'll see a sort of uh, swing back towards the the zenias of uh of the canon i i kind of hope so because as i'm looking at this list it's these big swings that really make a mark right they're not necessarily all unbelievable either i can see a hypersexed supervillain i can see a damsel in distress turned assassin in electra king in a more recent movie uh, these are roles that can still be done well. Uh, we just need to find the right story for them. I think when we come to do our henchman list, I will be really interested to see how that compares. Um, obviously, there are mm. there are a few characters here that would be in that list as well. Um, but just in terms of like the distribution of the movies, like I think again, Daniel Craig's henchmen. For one thing, there just aren't any in most of Daniel Craig's movies. Like they're not they're not memorable henchmen in his movies um no they're a guy who gets who wears a wig who falls down some <laughs> steps you know but you know do the brosnan movies stand up as henchmen movies i don't know that they they do so i doubt they will the henchman seems like a definitely old school bond yeah. thing. but yeah i guess we'll we'll find out so yeah we didn't talk about uh the bond girl curse but there is this claim that uh when a, an actor plays a, a, one of the Bond women, uh, it will basically be the death of her career. Um, the James Bond fandom website gives a list of women who it holds up as examples of that. So Maud Adams, uh, Claudine Auger, Daniela Bianchi, Lois Childs, Mariam Darbo, Karen Dorse, Sophie Massot, Lois Maxwell, Caroline Monroe, Luciana Paluzzi, Tanya Roberts, Isabella Skorupko, Talisa Soto, and Lana Wood, all women who never had the same success after appearing in a Bond film as they maybe had before. Um, but it also gives a list of women who subverted the curse. It is a slightly shorter list. It includes Kim Basinger, who we did not talk about because she's not from an Eon Bond film, uh, but also Gemma Arterton, Halle Berry, Eva Green, Famke Janssen, Rosamund Pike, Jane Seymour, and Michelle Yeoh. And what's really interesting about the list is that it skews very like recent yeah in fact that makes me uh kind of not believe in this list at all because even someone like sophie marceau uh has done work maybe just not that has been commercially successful in the u.s or the uk but certainly around the world uh tanya roberts had a fine long-lasting career before and after uh i i think this list 
I don't know how true the curse is. I don't know if I believe in it. I think it is up to the actor, the person to do with their career uh, what they will. And you could even argue that some of the people who were successful have lamented since being in it. Like a lot of people say that Halle Berry's career never really survived after her Oscar win. There's <laughs> there's always that talk about the Oscar curse right. too. Um, but you know, this is... Actors are people. If you are going to succeed, if you're going to get into that next film, it's always going to be a campaign, and you've and there's always going to be something working against you. Uh, some people just make it, and some people don't. I don't think Bond has anything to do with it. I mean, look, I'm sorry, Lois Childs, <laughs> but you were horrible in that film. You were wooden. You were hard to watch. I can't imagine that the curse had something to do with the movie as opposed to what you could bring to a role right yeah and you know how do we judge success in a lot of these cases these women are european actors in a lot of the early cases they're women who were dubbed uh to be in a bond movie so they probably wouldn't have gone to hollywood and and i'm sure you know i think luciana paluzzi and isabella skorupko have had success uh in their own countries in in european markets speaking uh in in their own uh languages uh and that's not reflected because we're only qualifying Hollywood as as success. You know, I, I I think you have to remember that Bond films cast a wide net. Uh, they are very intercontinental when it comes to casting these women. But like Sophie Marceau, I think her career probably is just fine. We just don't see the movies. Yeah, exactly what I'm thinking. I, I think we can put to rest this Bond girl curse nonsense as old school kind of misogynistic mm-hmm. and xenoph- xenophobic in a way too. Yeah, yeah. Good. I'm glad we could condemn those people for saying that. Yes. <laughs> You, you heard it here first on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about Bond women and race as well. We know because we just talked about Live and Let Die uh, that uh, these movies that Ian Fleming, they do not treat race well. These are racist pieces. Uh, these are xenophobic pieces, as I just said. So there is unfortunately a lack of diversity in the Bond women. Uh, however, I am so glad that our list actually does feature a lot of diversity in the top 15, at least, and even in our uh, top uh, 10. But, you know, the Bond franchise can do better. It can always do better. It is getting better, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. And Bond films and race, like generally, it's a conversation we're going to keep coming back to because, uh, yeah, the the number of and, and ways in which Bond movies have failed in terms of race, not just failed to represent, but actually actively been racist in their portrayals, um, doing some of the most heinous things like Yellowface. There's a lot to make up for um, and and the supporting cast and especially the the leading woman uh, is a good way to make those corrections. So, I mean, again, we've, we've, we've talked about No Time to Die and how excited we are for that movie. We're going to see Naomi Harris's Eve Moneypenny and Lashana Lynch's Nomi in that film. Um, and even Anna de Armas, uh, I think, is a mm. woman of color. So that might be the first time a Bond movie has had three women of color, actually, in in the three major roles that's awesome i mean it almost sucks in a way that so much pressure is put on uh these women to represent an entire franchise and kind of be the voice and say uh and like we talked about earlier i'm doing this differently i i'm original well they these uh particular women actually do have that burden on them because they 
it looks like they may be in one of the more progressive Bond films that we have been given. So uh, it will be very interesting to see this journey over the next few months. Andrew, that was so much fun. I am so glad we did that. As usual, we totally disagree, but I think we're <laughs> both satisfied with the results. Yeah, somehow, despite the the huge uh, divergences in our list, we do seem to always come up with a list that I think stands up uh, and represents us so pretty well. That is so awesome. That's why we are the Queer James Bond Podcast. Yep. Next time on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we are hitting the books once again with the second of Ian Fleming's Bond novels, Live and Let Die. Will it be as problematic as the movie? Can it find entirely different ways to be just as problematic? <laughs> uh, or is it what I think going to be even more problematic than either of us could ever imagine? <laughs> Join us in two weeks' time to find out. You can follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on Twitter and Instagram at KKBBPod or send us the sweetest love letters at KissKissBangBangPod at gmail.com. You can also follow our individual Twitter accounts at Wheeler and at Shane Came Back. Please share, like, rate, and review Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. We say that every episode, but I want to reiterate, if you could tell one friend about this podcast and how much you enjoyed it, uh, it would really help us to get the word out there. So thank you in advance for doing that. Our graphics are provided by the deliciously talented Carl Schurer. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Schurer, C-A-R-L-S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. We end every episode with a great piece of Bond-related music. Shane, what are we signing off with this week? Andrew, who runs the world? I said, Andrew, who <laughs> runs the world? It's not in the script that I say anything here, but I do have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor No. That's right. This week, I went with one of the greatest anthems of our generation. My mom took my brother and I to see Queen Bee in concert a few years back. I can't even put into words how impactful it is to be in a stadium filled with thousands of women and queers shouting the answer <laughs> in unison. Beyonce wanted to develop something that would blend different cultures and eras and had a message of female empowerment, and this song delivers and then some. Now, it was her lowest performing single to date huh. on the Billboard US charts, right? Only peaking at 29 while making top 10 charts globally, which says everything about how the US views women, <laughs> especially Black women and women of color. So, with that being said, raise your fist in the air and celebrate female strength with us to the tune of Beyonce's Run the World, Girls. Yeah, if ever there was uh, someone who you think would do an amazing Bond song and is probably never going to get the chance that Beyonce is, is high on that list. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. Uh, you know, there, there's still a chance. Still a chance. There's, <laughs> she's not, her career is not slowing down. Uh, maybe it just isn't the right time. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, kiss, kiss, bang, bang.